Hey everybody, it's Dan. Welcome or welcome back to the Bridge Church Podcast. Please, at the end of this podcast, take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Head over to thebridgelive.org and find access to all of our church information. Plus, it's the easiest way to share content with a friend and keep up with everything going on around here at the Bridge Church. But most importantly, I hope you find the following presentation inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey, getting from where you are to where you want to be. Cross that bridge. Enjoy. All right. Guess what we're talking about for the next bunch of weeks? Who are you? Right? I think this is uh, one of the most, if not the most, confusing uh, I don't know what to say about this. It could be, well, let's just say this. If the body of Christ knew who they were in Christ, the world wouldn't look like it does. Things would be different. People would act different if you understood the holiness that you are. If you need an outline or a handout, they're over there. Uh, Three-ring binders are over there. Help yourself. Take some good notes and catch this. We're going to talk four, maybe six weeks about who you are in Jesus. Because uh, I don't know about you guys, but your personal identity, you know, a lot of times we're defined by uh, our job or who we are, our education, you know, uh, like uh, Dr. Conger, right? Aaron, he's a doctor. So he's kind of defined by who he is, right? He's a doctor, okay? But who are you, right? And who are you when, when nobody's looking? How about that? Let's talk about that. We'll talk about that one week. How are we going um, to understand that sometimes our identity, who we are now, is shaped by our past, right? Talk about it all the time, the stained glass windows of our past, however you were brought up, can define you and, and honestly tell you who you are. Right? And, and a lot of times we grow up with stuff that we weren't even, that, that we're not even supposed to have. Maybe you grew up in a, in a parent, two-parent family, right? A mom and a dad. It was healthy. You grew up normal. You didn't have any issues. You got straight A's. You were one of the cool people and beautiful. That wasn't me, Okay. I was cool and beautiful, but I wasn't, you know, one of the cool people, you know. I, I grew up with, with parents and siblings and teachers and coaches and family members and neighbors and everybody telling me how bad I was and that you'll never amount to anything and you'll never make it. You're too fat. You're too slow. You're too small. Why can't you be more like your brother? I really want to swing on people when they used to tell me that stuff. And I would. And I would. I lost every fight I was ever in, just so you know. Okay? <laughs> so I, I, I'm, you know, maybe you had childhood trauma that changes things. I was reading this article this week, getting ready for this, and I was reading, and it, and it was over 80% of children under five who have experienced some sort of trauma, whether it's uh, sexual, physical, a parent dying, something like that, have carried that trauma into their adulthood and it has defined them in some way, okay? 80 plus percent of those children are scarred in their older life because of something that happened from when they were five and younger. And if you, if you, you know, you have holes in your past like I do that you don't remember stuff. It's because your mind is operating in a manner and fashion that protects you from those things so they get buried, right? But it's still, it's a part of your identity when you grow up, right? And, and I carried all those emotional wounds with me into adulthood, right? And, and uh, I had grown up with what I had grown up with, I had become. And then, you know, I was loud. I was obnoxious. I, I, like I said, I would really just tell you stuff. And it would usually get me punched in the nose. 
and, and it was judgmental. I was loud. Then you take all those bad things that people have pushed into me as a child and then pour a bunch of alcohol on top of it. And you've got that person that everybody gets nervous when they're around, right? <laughs> they're like, oh, what's he going to do today? right? What's he going to say? We don't really want him to say anything because he's going to offend somebody and then there's going to be a problem, right? I was that guy. And then I took it into a marriage with children. So now I'm, I'm jacking up another person who had a healthy childhood, kind of. And then now I've got children that I am bringing up and pushing identity onto them that's not healthy, Right? Does this sound familiar to anybody? Is this anybody's life? I guess it's just yeah, me today, right? So what happened was I got born again then. And when I got born again, I knew Jesus loved me. I knew I wasn't going to hell. Whew. Right? Luckily for me. Um, you know, I, I believe that my sins were forgiven, but there was no peace. There was no victory. There, was, there wasn't anything, no joy. My everyday life still was, was a tumultuous mess. And I'm like praying to my God. We switched churches like three times in a multitude of like five years. And we finally landed in a church where I was taught what it means to be born again. Because Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5.17... He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That's going to be our text scripture for this next bunch of weeks, right? But I, I didn't get the new part. I didn't get the memo. I didn't get the email. I wasn't involved in the text thread, right? I'm like, I'm new, but I'm still dealing with all this old stuff. How do I get to be new? Because I like new. I like new stuff. I like new trucks, new houses, new cars, new friends, right? Yeah. But, but I, I want to be on the new side because the, the self-worth and the, the stuff that I had, you know, I was still going through life, burned out, tore up from the floor up. I don't understand this. If walking with God is this hard, I don't want to do it. I'm not doing it because there has to be a better way. There has to be an understanding that this thing that the Apostle Paul, who had a jacked up past too, his identity was all messed up. He had a jacked up past, but he's talking about this new thing. What the heck is the new thing? I want the new thing. How do I get the new thing? And it took me, to, took me figuring out that there is a huge difference between the way I see me and the way God sees me. Once you're born again, which I believe we all are in here. I don't know about you guys on the stream, but there's a chance, right? We'll pray for you later. <laughs> okay? So, so go with me and, and understand this. How do we get to the new part? Well, in that walking through to the new part, you're going to have to cross over some kind of troubled waters of the stuff that you're living right now, who you are right now. Because I always, you know, my, my wife says that when, when I introduce myself to people, I don't introduce myself as a pastor. I introduce myself as a, like a Wasatch property management employee. And she says all the time, that's not who you are. You're pastor, not, a, you know, a supervisor, maintenance supervisor. So I want to challenge you this week, this, this week, to think and meditate on who you are. Are you defined by your job? Are you a hairdresser? Are you, a, a, you know, work in a clinic? Do you work at Home Depot? Who are you? What defines you? When, when people say your name, what comes to their mind? Is Jesus in there anywhere? <laughs> Let's just throw that out there. This could be a little troublesome, right? And, and you may not understand all of this today, but go with me all the way to the end and you're going to get it. You're going to go, I see it, right? We're going to have to cross some 
muddy waters. <clears throat> Excuse me. Right? So there is and has been a conflict with who I am and who God says I am. And that's, that happens right here. And so today, if you go with me to Genesis chapter 32, I want to look at one guy today. We're not, we're not going to look at all these things every week. We're going to really get to Ephesians 1 and Colossians 2 and what, who God says we are. But today I want to start right in your grill, right? We're going to get in your face a little bit. And I want you to think about this because if you can grasp who you are, your identity in Jesus, it'll change everything. And the last couple of weeks we've been talking about how uh, baptism changes everything. Figuring out who you are in Jesus changes, changes the rules, really, which, which is good, right? So we're going to talk about Jacob today. And, and Jacob wrestled with his family. He wrestled with God. <laughs> he, he was out for himself, basically, from before he was even born, right? And I'm going to pick on Jacob today, but I could have picked on anybody from the Bible. <clears throat> you look at Noah, for example, you know, built the ark, did all that great stuff. Once the ark landed, he kind of went downhill a little bit. You see the movie? I mean, keep your clothes on, bro. It'll be all right. <laughs> Don't drink so much, right? We could have picked on Noah. We could pick on Abraham. He was a liar. He was, he was very self-conscious about his wife being killed and you know, all that stuff, and Moses, right, spent most of his life on the run, okay? David had a lust problem with the lady next door, cost him a lot, cost him his child's life. That's kind of a big deal, right? We could look at Peter and his mouth and his, his rejection of Jesus when he was being arrested, right? And then the Apostle Paul and his whole scattered past, any one of these rejects would be okay to pick on today, which reminds me later on in the fall, we are going to have a series called Misfit Rejects or something like that. We're going to look through the Bible at all these people who we tend to put up on a pedestal thinking, ooh, they made it to the Bible. They must be great. The Apostle Paul wasn't great when he was Saul, right? Peter wasn't great when he was denying the Lord three times. Noah wasn't great when he was drunk and passed out, embarrassing his whole family. So remember, whatever your past looks like, you cannot and will not be defined by that thing, right? Let's just start there today, okay? So let's see ourselves in Jacob's life. Let's look at Genesis 32. This is very popular, verse 22. <clears throat> says this. He says, and he arose that night and took his two wives. We'll deal with that in another series. <laughs> his two female servants and 11 sons and crossed over the ford of Jabbok. He took them, sent them over the brook and sent them over what he had, sent over what he had. Look at verse 24. Then Jacob was left alone. Sometimes it's okay to maybe be alone a little bit, gather it in and think about what's happening, okay? What's John Maxwell say? Don't react, respond, okay? And Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled, notice capital M, man wrestled with him. Hosea in chapter 12 or chapter 4, one of those two, calls this an angel of God with a capital A, wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now, just so we get this straight, they were not wrestling in daybreak, okay? It was the break. Of, you'll catch up with that later. <laughs> Verse 25, now when he saw, now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched, literally struck, the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint, and he wrestled with him. Huh. I want you to notice something. Jacob wasn't giving up, right? He was wrestling with this dude. Verse 26, and he said, let me go for the day breaks. They're not in daybreak. The day broke. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Kind of tenacious going on here. 
Jacob's kind of putting up a little bit of a fight. He's fighting against God himself. Notice he's wrestling, okay? He's fighting. So he said to him, what is your name? Now, that's interesting. You know, I don't know how you read the Bible, but if you read the Bible and they've been wrestling all night, and then he goes, what's your name? It's like, I don't know. I've been in lots of fights and probably didn't know the guy's name, right? So he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God. Anybody ever struggle with God? Come on, right? With God and with man and have prevailed. So he, he prevailed. And Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is it that you ask about my name? And he blessed him there. So I want you to notice something here. Jacob is wrestling with God. And, and it's not the first time that Jacob has been wrestling. He has been wrestling his whole life with his family, with his people, with his wives. He has been struggling and struggling and struggling through his whole life. His name means, Jacob means deceiver. All right. Now we're going to go all the way back to the beginning in, in um, Genesis 25, where, where Jacob's wrestling again, but he's wrestling in the womb this time with his brother. Right. And, and many of you know, I'm the youngest in my family. And there is sibling rivalries that are ridiculous. I would grab, I would throw my brother across the room by the throat to be first, just to beat him, just to win. It wouldn't matter. And all of us were the same. My sister was probably the worst. Vicious, tenacious, didn't, didn't have to, didn't matter that we were winning, just had to be better than those guys. That's what Jacob's doing with his brother here in chapter 25. Let's read this story. Here's Jacob again. He is wrestling and fighting to be number one before he's even born. How is he doing this? How does he so have to be me first that he's fighting with his brother? All right. <clears throat> now in uh, Genesis 25, verse 21, it says, now Isaac, that's dad, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Isaac pleaded with the Lord for his wife because she was barren and the Lord granted his plea and Rebekah, his wife, conceived, begging for a child, right? And, and a male child in this culture was everything. Very important. Remember the promise to uh, Isaac's dad was, you will have millions of millions of people will be in your bloodline, Okay. Verse 22, listen to what, listen to this. Here he is already, Jacob. But the children struggled together within her. And she said, if all is well, why am I like this? That'd be a good Mother's Day passage, right? <laughs> why is this happening to me, right? Why am I like this? So she went to inquire of the Lord. That would be a good place to start if you're struggling, how about instead of telling all your weird neighbors and crazy relatives and people who are going to ask you for money about your life, how about we just inquire of God? That's why we have connect cards, right? We'll inquire for you. That makes it easy. You don't even have to do nothing, right? So here's, here's uh, Rebecca. She's, she's at, the, at the doctor's office, right? And, and she's dealing with this whole thing with these babies that are fighting inside of her, right? What's that doctor called that you go to? The, the, the baby guy. They put the sloppy crap on you and... Oh, yeah, the ultrasound. She's at the ultrasound appointment with the doctor and the doctor's like, what is going on in there? Right? Because they're literally fighting within her. It says the, the word is literally... Um, Fight, uh, that's not fighting. It's uh, literally um, wrestling and uh, the sonogram. That's what I was looking for. Crushing each other. <laughs> literally crushing each other is the Hebrew word picture of what's happening in her womb. 
and she's at the sonogram appointment, and he turns the monitor around, and he sees, like, WWF going on inside of her tummy, <laughs> right? Literally, that's what the Hebrew word picture is, a fight to the, to the end to be born. Why was that? Because there was a birthright blessing that took place for the firstborn. They were fighting to get out first, right? So she inquires of the Lord, and, and the Lord says to her, two nations are in your womb, two people shall be separated from your body, right? We both know it's Esau and, and Jacob. One people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. And we all know the story about Jacob and the shenanigans that he pulls, right? So when their days were fulfilled for her to give birth, indeed, there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red, and he was uh, like a hairy garment all over the place. How many of the men in here got hair growing where it's not supposed to and never used to grow there because you're older, right? So they, they called his name Esau. Esau is literally, they should have called him Harry, right, <laughs> instead of Esau. Afterward, his brother came out, and his hand took hold of Esau's heel, so his name was called Jacob. Jacob's name, literally deceiver, literally heel grabber. He wanted out so fast to get the birthright to be number one, he was holding his brother's heel after the wrestling match that took place in the womb. You see, Jacob was trying to, to be number one. He wanted to be first born. And it's proof by his life because he swindled his brother out of everything. Even his dad out of the first birth blessing. We'll talk about more of that in a minute. It's, it's interesting that this sibling, sibling rivalry took place so fierce inside of her that he wanted to be number one so bad that he was holding his brother's heel coming out. It wasn't just to be cute. Oh, look at the twins. No, there was a reason behind it, and there was a fight that was going on. I wonder if there's always a conflict in the womb of something God is birthing into the world, whether, you know, it's a, it's a, a big vision, a dream, a calling, or a purpose. There's always going to be a fight to birth those things. And we see it with these guys. So Jacob was trying to be first. When he came out, he was grabbing his brother's uh, heel. Even as a baby, he subconsciously wanted to be number one. And all of us have this instinctively in us. Whether you're a competitor, whether you're uh, good at athletics or good at school or good, you're, you're, you're number one subconscious uh, life is to be number one. I want to, don't you want to be the best? And it's not a bad thing to be the best. It's a bad thing when it owns you and makes you fight with your family and punch your brother in the face before you even come out of the womb, right? And, and literally crush him, right? So Jacob had a me first mentality because of the inheritance that he wanted. That me first Mentality Number one on your hand out there, me first is miserable. Me first is miserable. And we live in a me first culture. If you look at media, if you look at marketing, if you look at um, uh, all of these things that they push on you, that it's all about you and you being comfortable, which is completely contrary from the kingdom of God. And that's where I'm going with this. If you were concerned that it was just going to be a beatdown all day, it's not going to be a beatdown all day, just most of the day, okay? <laughs> C.S. Lewis wrote this. He said, we don't always take pride in a particular possession. We take pride in having more of that uh, possession than someone else. It's not about having it. It's about having more of it than you. It's the er factor, right? Bigger, thinner, stronger, cooler, richer. It's the er, right? And, and here's the thing about er being er on somebody else. There's always somebody who's more er than you. And, and you'll never win that fight. And it's funny how Abraham said that he came from the land of maybe we're stuck there. 
trying to be more er than everybody else with I need my car to be more better, more expensiver. <laughs> my kids need to be smarter, even though we can't afford to put them in that school. They need to be cooler because they go to that school er. That er doesn't make sense in the kingdom of God, okay? Because Jesus himself says these, these words in, in Luke 9, 25, what is it to gain the whole world and lose your very self? Biggest regret I have in my life, one of the few, is not spending more time with my kids when they were small because we worked because we needed the er. We needed the bigger, the better, the more expensive er. We needed to look cooler. So we worked our whole kid's life. Don't miss your kids growing up because when the time they get to be the age that my kids are, they're, they're off doing their own thing and you've lost er. Um, you know, we're still a close, tight family, but we don't have that er, that little hangout time. Right? That, that just be fun time, time with our kids. We missed it because we worked the whole time. Didn't take vacations, didn't go anywhere, didn't do anything, and we missed it. Biggest regret I have. That's why when, when Daisy's over, it's like everything stops, right? And we hang out. And we don't have to bless her. We just need to hang out er, er, with her, er, er, right? Right? <laughs> So our kingdom mentality is what is it to gain the whole world and lose your very self? We, we grasp at this status and this security, and in our process, we miss our kids growing up. We miss most of our life because we're working so hard to be status and security. You know, And I get it. Pay your bills, do your stuff, work hard, do all that thing, but you can go on vacation. The world's not going to end if you're not at work. You You'll be all right. They'll be all right. They're a big company, right? And they'll be fine, okay? Seek ye first the kingdom. Ye, ye. Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. Jesus also said in Matthew 20, verse 16, so the last will be first, and the first will be last. When was the last time we stopped and served somebody else? And I'm not talking about a family member. I, what about just like buying coffee for the person behind you? Buying coffee for the person, you know, at your job, showing up with lunch someday? Just blessing somebody, putting somebody else first so that we're not so us focused. I got to tell you, a couple things will happen. Your flesh will burn off your body. It'll be very painful. And you can always, I don't know about you, but when I'm dealing with God about something, and it rubs against my flesh like hardcore, like peeling it off hardcore, I know it's God. Because God, the enemy, the devil's not going to prompt you to go bless somebody else, yeah. you know, and make them feel like God loves them, right? Being generous is a lifestyle. Being generous is Jesus style. Yeah. Somebody should write that down. That was good. Mm -hmm. Jesus style, right? Where's Noel today? We'd be Hawaiian style. We'll be Jesus style. Okay, remember, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen this uh, very serious, very popular movie called Talladega Nights, yeah. right? Ricky Bobby's daddy, what's he tell him? If you're not first, boy, you're last. That's our mentality. Jesus' mentality is the last will be first and the first last. If you ever stood in a line at a church event, that, that somebody always says it, right? <laughs> always, right? So me first is miserable, Okay, so Jacob, back to Jacob here, he swindles his birthright away from Esau, his brother. Now, Esau was a hunter, right? Dealt with bows and arrows, guns, knives, cool man stuff, right? He went out in the field hunting and brought back game to eat. Well, Jacob, Jacob was a mama's boy. He, it says, the Bible says he stayed amongst the tents, right? So Jacob's tool was like a frying pan or something, right? So he's a mama's boy. He was smooth. He was probably what they call those guys, the metro male, right? Real, everything shaved and tight and get a haircut every other day. Very, very, very metro male, 
Okay, this is Jacob. Esau, totally opposite, probably had a big beard, right? And wore animal skins and did all this stuff. Uh, one was a chef, the other was skilled with a bow, right? Are you with me? So when, when Esau comes back and Jacob swindles the, the birthright away from him, he didn't really realize what happened until later. Then Jacob, actually, this was, a, it was I've read this story and preached this story multiple times in Genesis 27 about how Jacob swindled the blessing away from Isaac. And, and I've read it before, and I thought, you know, Rebecca was the problem here because she was the one who, it was kind of her idea, right? So if we read in, in 27, in chapter 27, we're not going to read all of this story. We'll just take select verses. It says, when it came to pass, when Isaac was old and his eyes were so dim that he could not see, it's always the dad that gets messed over when he's old. <laughs> Notice that it's like, he's going to steal from him. So he called Esau, his older son, and said to him, my son, and he answered, here I am. He said, behold, now I am old. I don't know when I'm going to die. Can you go shoot some game, cook it, and we'll have a last meal, and then I'll bestow the firstborn blessing upon you. All right, you see what's happening here? Well, here's Rebecca, Isaac's wife, is in the other room, and, and I wouldn't suggest this if you're a parent of a child, don't play favorites, but Rebecca played favorites, and she chose, she wanted Jacob to get the blessing. So she overhears this, and then she calls in, and I always thought this was her fault. And then I did a little more research, and, and Jacob and Esau are 76 years old when this is happening. And I'm like, you got to stop blaming your mama for this. This is your fault. He's 76 years old when he swindles this blessing away from his dad and his brother. It's not her fault. It's like, let go, bro. Let go of your mom. So Rebecca's listening to the story, and, and Esau takes off to go shoot the game for the dinner that they're gonna, he's going to bless him with. And Rebecca says, hey, uh, Esau took off. Let's go out to the, to the back, get some sheep. We'll skin them, and we'll cover you in this, and we'll swindle this blessing out of your daddy because he can't see anyway. He's kind of senile, okay? No, it's just, it's crazy what's going on. He says, um, he sends them off. And then verse 15, he says, then Rebecca took the choice clothes of her elder son Esau, 76 years old, he still has clothes at mom's house, which were in, with her in the house and put them on Jacob, the younger son. She's, she's pulling up the scam here. You see what's happening? Then she put the skins on the kids and the goats on his hands and the smooth parts of his neck, remember, he's a metro male. You got to rough him up a little bit, make him look and smell a little gamey, okay? So then in verse 19, he says, uh, uh, Jacob comes in to Isaac, and, and he's, he's, he's go with the plan. We're going to scam this out of the father. And he said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I've done just as you told me. Please arise, sit, eat my game, that your soul may bless me. This deceiver, this deception, you can see the scam is full motion right here, right? And then Isaac said to his son, how is it that you found it so quickly, my son? And he said, because the Lord, your God, brought it to me. Now he's got God in on his deceptional scam, <laughs> lying his face off. Try, remember, me first mentality. Me first mentality here, trying to win, right? Verse 21, then Isaac said to Jacob, please Come near that I may feel you, my son, whether you are really Esau or not. He's like, something's up here because he says in the next verse here, I'm hearing the voice of Jacob, but I'm feeling the body, the costume of Jacob, right? You see what's happening here? How many of us have put on costumes to try to be somebody else to get a blessing out of somebody? Amen. That's just me, I guess. Okay. I don't know, maybe you never did a job interview or, you know, trying to, whatever. You'll figure it out later. Uh, verse 23, and he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother's Esau's hands, so he blessed him. The plan has come together. It's, it's starting to take shape. And then he dropped down to verse 27, and, and um, he blesses him through this. Then guess what happens? The jig is up because Esau comes back 
after this blessing has taken place. And Rebecca's like, oh boy, we got a problem. And he is going to be a little upset about this whole thing. And sure enough, Esau flips out, loses his mind. His brother has stolen from him again, and he took the blessing away from his older brother. That sibling rivalry, the me-first mentality has taken over. And here's number two on your handout. God cannot bless who you pretend to be. You can't pretend to be somebody else and have God bless what you're doing. And if we're going to walk in, in the identity of Jesus, we need to know and know who we are and stop being the somebody else, right? God can't bless Jacob dressed like Esau. We don't fool God with our disguises and the way we do things and how we hide and, and all this stuff. You can't fool the Lord. He knows what's up. And we see it, you know, there's, there's many me's, me. I'm going to talk about me, okay? There's me, me, damn me. That, that's just me. Um, I'm annoying to myself, so I feel bad for you people, right? <laughs> but then there's the me that I hope to be, right? You would love this guy. You would want to marry this guy. You would vote for this guy. He would be president, right? He's, he's just fun. He is awesome. You know, he's in shape but can enjoy some carrot cake, right? <laughs> has no physical problems. His hair is dark. His teeth are straight, and they're not too big for his head, okay? He's, he's, you know, he's kind in how he does things, but serious in his approach, right? Everybody just loves this guy. He's, he's disciplined but not rigid, fun-loving, fun -loving. funny enough that you don't notice, but you'll still laugh at his jokes, Okay, so you would love this guy. This is the guy I hope to be, right? But unfortunately, that's fake Dan, right? Phony Dan, Dan who wants to be that guy. And what, what are we doing when we're doing those things? We are looking for the approval of others, right? And we're trying to do things that are just a bunch of pretension, right? We're just, just pretend. I don't really care about you. I'm just blessing you because you're here in front of me, right? There's a me I can see, and then there's a me I want to be. And Jacob was that guy for a long time. He was that guy, and, and it was just a bunch of costumes and a bunch of fake, phony, swindling, stealing things guy, which we all were, right? And, and again, what did Jesus say? What good is it to gain the whole world and lose your very self? Here's Jacob now swindled his brother's blessing. He has the blessing, right? But what? He's on the run. He has to split. He has to leave his family because of what he's done. This is a picture of all of us, right? We, he took off for 21 years he went off, did some good things, did some bad things, and got married and had children and did all this stuff, but it took him 21 years before he came to the fact that he had to come back, right? So God can't anoint your avatar. If you're old and don't know what an avatar is, ask a young person, okay? <laughs> and he can't minister to the mask. Can't minister to who you, who, who, fake Dan. Can't do fake Dan. Dan Dan's got to be Dan. Can't be fake Dan. Can't be the guy everybody else wants him to be. I got to be me. And I got to be me before Jesus. And unfortunately for Jacob, he wasn't Jacob. Or he was Jacob all the way up through the whole end. And we're going to read these verses again when God changed his name and changed everything. Right? So we see here, that 21 years later, after he swindled the blessing from his brother, he was on the run, on the lamp, running away because of what he did. He had to because he's, remember, frying pan, bow and arrow. Which do you think is going to do better in the fight? You know, it's, it's not going to be good for Jacob. 
So he had to run for 21 years. Now, if I do my parochial school math, 21 plus 76 is 97 years. 97 years of his life. No wonder why he broke his hip. He was 97 years old. <laughs> 97 years of his life was spent running around, wasting time, swindling people, stealing stuff, doing things that he shouldn't have done, having conned his way through life, but then there was a turning point, and we read it a little bit ago. Back to, to chapter 32, and look at verse 26. This is the whole turning point in Jacob's life where he goes from being, we could say, pre-Jesus to wrestling with Jesus to post-Jesus when things changed, okay? His whole life, something grabs him. Right? So look at, at verse 26 again. He says, and he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Remember, Jacob was fighting and wrestling and swindling and stealing blessings his whole life. Now he's wrestling with God, which every one of us at one point, I would hope you have done. And whether it's in prayer or whatever, Get on the ground with God and, and let him speak to you and never, ever, ever let go. The first key to finding our very selves is to make the decision to never let go. Have to decide, am I going to do this or not? When I, was, when I was looking at my life, Years and years and years ago, even after I got saved and still had all this, these issues, just like Jacob had all these issues for all those years, those nine, no, it wasn't 97, might have been 30, I had to decide, am I going to follow Jesus or not? Because you can't, right? There's no middle ground. You're either in or you're out, right? The middle ground gets bit on the beach. That's what happens. This has a revelation, right? So the first key to finding our very selves is to make the decision not to let go. Only God can truly bless us, our real identity, our real us, the real you. Not the fake Dan, the real Dan. Because God looks at the heart, not at the physical outside. You know, back to that reject series we're going to teach. How many of you know that the number seven is the number of completion, right, with God? David, who probably did more than anybody else in the kingdom of God besides Jesus, was the eighth child. Reject, sorry, but he did more for anybody, more for the kingdom than anybody besides Jesus, and he was the eighth person. We'll talk more about that in that series, okay? So only the promises of God can bless us, right? And I heard a, a, a guy talking this week that this book is full of promises. And this book was full of promises before COVID, before the economy, before the United States, before anything else happened. This book is going to be full of promises now, today, and moving forward. So the blessings of God are yes and amen, and it doesn't really matter what the world tells us. Does that make sense? Now, if we're going to look at the world and listen to the fake news and be moved by everything we see, God's promises are null and void. We cannot be blessed. The real us cannot be blessed unless we accept what the truth is, right? So let's keep reading here. He said... Um, he says, I'm not going to let go. Number one, I'm not going to ever let go. So he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. I want you to notice for the first time in Jacob's life, he's Jacob. He's not Esau. He's not the second born. He's not the sidekick. He's not the half pint. He's not the mistake. He's taking, he's taking responsibility for who he is. He says, I am Jacob today. Not, not wearing this costume. He had Jacob, remember, heel grabber, second born, 
you know, always never as good as Esau, probably, you know, whatever. He was named, meant deceiver, all of those things. He said he answered truly. He didn't pretend to be someone else. For the last 97 years, he had pretended completely to be someone else. Okay? Then he goes on and he says, your name, verse 28, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. He's going from being deceiver to being, Israel means prince with God amongst other things. For you have struggled, so there is a struggle, no matter what, there's going to be a struggle with God and men and have prevailed. Look at your neighbor and say, you have the victory. The second key to fulfilling our very uh, selves is to admit who we really are. Uh, yes, I am. I was that guy, I'm Jacob. I have been Jacob, right? God wants us to come as we are. Then he gives us a new name and a new identity. He changes your fingerprint and makes you into something else. Like the, like the video we watched before, when we are walking in darkness, we are under the shroud of sin. We are covered by it. There's no getting away from it. In the struggle, we get the new name and we get a new identity. And that's what we're going to look at for the next several weeks moving forward, who we are. How can we stand? How are we supposed to walk in this victory if we don't know that it's ours? How are we supposed to know who we are and have authority in the earth if we don't know who we are? That would be like a, a civilian walking out into a street to direct traffic. Has no authority, doesn't know who he is. But if that same civilian goes and puts a policeman's uniform on with a badge and a gun and whatever else they have, and then walks out into the street, guess what's going to happen? The authority is going to take over because of who they are. Us as Christians have to know who we are. When God changes our name, God only sees you through that name. From now on, his name, Jacob's name is now Israel, and, and Israel means he strives with God triumphant with God, may God persevere. All those names that he calls Jacob is now Israel. God sees him through that. But here's the thing, that's kind of trippy, and that's where it gets weird. Because God still calls him Jacob, but he sees him as Israel. And we can see in Exodus 3, that number, number three on your handout there is that change is complicated and, and, it, and, and God sees you through your new name. And number four on your handout is that he is the God of Jacob as well as the God of Israel. Are you with me? Now, Israel, in Exodus chapter three, at the burning bush, God didn't call Jacob, Israel, he called him Jacob. And, and through the whole Bible, after this event, it has been the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, not Israel. God can still see Israel through him, but God looks at the not pretty parts as well as he does the pretty parts of our lives. He can call us uh, a new name and yet see us as redeemed and clean and pure and white. Does that make sense? He said in, in Exodus chapter 3, um, he's, he's the God of our failures and our selfishness and, and everything changes when we admit we are just a Jacob. In Exodus 3, he says, uh, I am who I am. When God's telling Moses who he is, he's saying, go tell the people that I am who I am. Am. And I can see you through Jacob and I can see you through Israel. And just as type and shadow as we were Jacob, we are now Israel. And we're going to talk about this moving forward in the coming weeks that you, you are a king. You are a royal priesthood. You are the head, not the tail. You are above and not below. 
You can walk in the authority of Jesus because of what he did, and God sees you through that name, right? Let's all stand together. Your name is a memorial to your life, and your name is something that we all, I mean, we're known by that. That's our label, right? But how many of you know God's got a new label for you today? Right? So let's bow our heads and close our eyes and, and, and know that we've all done the Jacob. Right? We've all done deception. We've all done things that, that we're not proud of. But you know what? God can replace those things with the good things. God can bring us up and above. And I think most of us are born again in here, which is a good thing. But I want you to know that God can change your name today. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, that you have changed our name, that you have changed, changed our whole lives, Lord. And, Father, as we prepare to leave this place, Lord, I pray that your heart be upon these, your people. And, Lord, as we leave this place, we know that we are Israel walking out of this place. And, God, as we prepare to encounter the week ahead that no matter what it looks like, what it sounds like, we know who we are in Jesus. And Father, we thank you that no matter what happens, no matter what people tell us, we are born again and believers in Jesus. We love you, Lord. We thank you, Father. We are over and above head, not the tail. Royal Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the South Jordan, West Jordan, Harriman, or Riverton area, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend gatherings. Because of the recent events with COVID-19, we are meeting in Harriman temporarily until our new building is ready. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children and student environments, head over to thebridgelive.org, or you can email info at thebridgelive.org, or simply text 801-391-6969.